And we are live. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Podcast at Ground Zero, your home for the apocalypse. I am the apocalypse nerd. He is Adam Baum Glancy. And special co-host tonight is Austin Bennett from Mystic Ape Games. And tonight we will be talking about their uh, Kickstarter for their new game, The End is Nigh, a pre-apocalyptic destruction game. Uh, which is currently running on Kickstarter. It uh, again something as we as we know we have Kickstarter uh, games on sometimes while they're running and while they're not running because we felt it's pertinent to the subject matter. So uh, again, uh, Austin, we, we, we welcome. We always want to support the apocalypse in all of its myriad forms. Yeah, so we're going to be uh, talking about uh, Austin, and well, Austin's not the only person involved with it, but he is their. Uh, he he is their social media figurehead. He is the uh, he'll be their talking head for the game. So spokesmodel. We'd we'd like to think of him as the spokesmodel. <laughs> That's kind of what it is. I, I do a lot of the talking at conventions or any kind of local events where we're demoing games. Uh, that's pretty accurate. So where we're gonna be? Uh, so again, welcome Austin. We'll be uh, talking about the game uh, t- tonight. We'll be asking him lots of questions. You know, people who've watched the show before know that uh, we you know have a you know, ask some questions. We want to find out pertinent inform- pertinent information about the uh, game and what it is. And excuse me if anybody heard that. So uh, before we start, real quick, uh, uh, as usual, you know, we like to talk about apocalyptic things we've run across. Again, haven't had. I just really haven't had uh, too much time to really run across every anything this week. I'm sure there's lots of stuff out there, but um, I myself have been through a. I'm in a house buying and moving apocalypse, which will be coming up. So I've been a little uh, pre- preoccupied with that, you know, because anybody who's bought a home knows that the uh, the chores that are involved with that. And then also we had, you know, the sky is falling apocalypse down here in uh, southeast Florida. We had the Hurricane Matthew. Um, I've lived in Florida for 36 years, folks. I've seen this time and time again. You know, it's nothing. Yes, it's nothing. You need. You should joke about. You got to be cautious. You got to be prepared. But just watching this day in and day out, these storms coming, how it's like the sky is falling, is just ridiculous. And I posted something on my Facebook page, which while watching the news, because again, it was. It was tracking towards us. It was, and it did get close offshore. Don't get me wrong. You know, we. Uh, but unfortunately, by me, I just wound up getting a basically like some like severe rainstorms for and some wind for you know a, you know for like maybe half the night. But that was about it. The people up north got hit a lot harder than I did. But um, while I'm watching this, and as things were not happening in our area, the only thing I could think about was the original Dawn of the Dead in the beginning in the studio. Where she pulls down, you know, the rescue stations because they're at a date, and the producer's coming on. It's like I want those those rescue stations back on the air because every minute they're not in the air, people aren't going to watch. They're going to tune out. That was the only thing I could think of while watching this because they're just saying like, "Oh, look over here! Look at the wind blowing on those trees and the rain," you know. Uh, and they're talking about how, oh, it's going to circle back and it's going to go through the Bahamas and hit Florida again. And it had, did nothing of the kind. You know? <laughs> the level of panic was, uh, you, if you think you had some panic, uh, we had extra extra tasty panic up here this weekend in Seattle, the Puget Sound area, because we had a couple of dying typhoons wander ashore up here in the northwest, and they didn't do squat. I had friends 
exchanging these sort of panicked uh, websites and things talking about, you know, our local weather stations were flipping out. National Weather Service was kind of like, meh, whatever. But local stations just played it up. For, and it was about getting people to tune in. It was about keeping eyes on the television set, it feels like, um, because it, it really came, uh, it really was a little bit, it was a little panic mongering. We, they're talking about winds up to 50, 70 miles an hour. We got 22 mile an hour winds. We got a good amount of rain. We had some, you know, we had all kinds of, you know, uh, we had some power outages, but hundreds of Puget, hundreds of customers in an, in an area that's, you know, million, two million people, not exactly a big deal, but oh yeah, very disappointing apocalypse. But the thing that you're right, the thing that connects them is that thing where they want people to tune in. They want people to be, you know, following the story every second, whether it's a story or not, you know? Oh yeah. Well, that, here I, I found it. It's like, without those rescue stations on screen every minute, people won't watch us. They'll tune out, you know? So and that's the most important thing, not the apocalypse, but are our, our people watching? That is the important thing. So both Scott and I, you know, within within a month have had, you know, uh, you know, weatherman apocalypses, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, that's so, one way to put it, yes. So we've been kind of busy. So, again, I apologize, folks, that we haven't been around as much as uh, we have. But, again, we again, it's – unfortunately, it uh, – this – uh, doesn't get as much uh, priority as we'd like it, but we try to do it as much as we can. So actually, if anything, I'm going to try to, because since I'm going to be coming up to where I'm really not going to be able to do it, because I'm going to be like packing, moving, uh, going up, signing, uh, closing papers, all kinds of crap. So I'm going to try to pull us the show again next week, uh, which what we're going to do is we are going to talk next week. We're going to talk about Turbo Kid, the post-apocalyptic throwback movie which is a apocalyptic throwback movie if i've ever seen one so we're gonna we're gonna if scott's free we're gonna talk about that one next week oh yeah so. you, you know that it's the apocalypse if they begin the movie with it's the year 1997 because fucking america blew up in 1997 about nine times <laughs> back yeah. in the 80s <laughs> So, so that's what's been going on with us, folks. So let's, we're going to move on. Oh, uh, to well, start. Yeah. oh, I do want to have a, one shout out. I went to the HP Lovecraft Film Festival last weekend, and that was all very cool and good and very nerdy. But I want to have a shout out to uh, Miss Liz Bailey, who got me a Cthulhu tiki mug, which I now have filled with rum. It's delicious. <laughs> delicious rum and pineapple juice. Yum. So there you go. It's unspeakably intoxicating. I'm sure it is. We, we know Scott likes his tiki. So. Thank you, Liz. Uh, so we're going to move on. And again, uh, again, Austin Bennett from uh, from uh, Mystic, Mystic, Ape uh, Mystic Ape Games. I'll remember that. The yeah, end is uh, where does the name Mystic Ape come from? Can we ask that question first? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So there are three of us who uh, are running Mystic Ape Games. So we wanted to have a name that had something to do with like three people. And we're looking up for all sorts of things and we came up with a whole bunch of ideas. But we like Mystic Ape because it's actually the three wise monkeys are also called the three Mystic Apes. The hear no evil, see no evil. Really? Yeah. So so we looked that up and they're called the three Mystic Apes. So we decided to go with that. And our logo is actually based off of our uh, our artist tattoo that he has. He had like a Teenage Mutant Ninja 
turtle tattoo that's in the same style. So um, that, that's very cool. Plus extra bonus points for apocalyptic throwback to Planet of the Apes. So <laughs> it all comes together. So there's there we your, go. It's full circle. Yep. Very cool. Excellent. So uh, first thing uh, we're going to ask is, was like, well, uh, also uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, like who you are, you know, again, uh, who your cohorts are and, you know, uh, do you have any history in the gaming industry? Is this your first game? Uh, just tell us uh, like a little bit about yourself so the, uh, the viewers could uh, get a better feel. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So Mystic Ape Games, we're pretty new on the scene. We had our last, our first game last year on Kickstarter it funded successfully with like $13,000, uh, a noir-themed dice-rolling game. Um, so it is three guys, like I mentioned. Uh, we're all based out of St. Louis, Missouri. So if people listening are from St. Louis, they might have seen us around at some game events. Um, our first game, uh, like I mentioned, the pri private die, we took it around to a whole bunch of conventions, including like Gen Con in Indianapolis and uh, Pixel Pop here in St. Louis and a whole bunch of other things. So along with designing that one, we have Then Is Nigh, which is on Kickstarter that we'll be talking a lot about. And then we have others in the pipeline, of, of course. And then I've also uh, taken our games and like discussions other places around town more specifically. At our Pixel Pop game, game Design Festival, I led a crowdfunding roundtable. And last year I was on a panel of uh, creators of games talking about the design process. And then I've also had games at the Stonemeyer Design Day which uh, Stonemaier Games is a really big company out of St. Louis who did a huge game that people may have seen called Scythe on Kickstarter with a whole bunch of miniatures and whatnot. Uh, so we took our games there, and we've gotten pretty good accolades. Uh, then Disney was fifth last year out of all the designs, and our next game plays second this year. So uh, just trying to do everything we can to get into the industry and continue to make good games. And right now they are locally sourced, too, for the most part, and we hand-assemble everything. So it's a labor of love. Uh, in a big way. Oh, nice. Excellent. Yeah, I, I, yeah I've heard, I've heard, I, uh, I think I saw Scythe on uh, on uh, Kickstarter, so I, that can, name sounds familiar. Yeah. And then, and then you said you were, uh, did you go to, were you at Gen Con this year? I was not this year, unfortunately. We had to regroup uh, to prepare for the end of night. We just didn't have too much time to spare because it was the month before we were launching. So gotcha. there was crunch time. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you plan on being there uh, next year? We do, yeah. We're planning on buying a booth as long as we can get it in. I know they have a, a super uh, good, tough. Good, good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, me and Scott have been uh, doing uh, Gen Con for many, 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 many years. and Since 96 um, for me. Oh, yeah, he's been doing it since 96. I've joined Scott, uh, I don't know, about... Uh, 15? 10, uh, 10 uh, I don't know, but... Well, no, I started doing it before I started. Yeah, like yeah, probably close to fifteen years ago, almost. So, uh, you know, so we we share booth space. You know, uh, we both do uh, Lovecraftian based uh, products. Scott is uh, the head of Pagan Publishing, and they do you know Call of Cthulhu based uh, Delta Call of Cthulhu based items, Delta Green. I'm yeah. dig on I'm dig on industries. I do all kinds of. Uh, just tchotchkes, trinkets, baubles, all related to Cthulhu mythos. You know, coins cool. and. Uh, Bumper stickers, license plate frames, pendants, all kinds of just uh, nonsense like that. So, if you have any trouble getting a booth or booth space, consider hitting us up for for display space in our booth. We'll find. Oh, be one. careful! I might take you up on that. I know. We'll, yeah. we'll just have to figure out what things look like a little closer to good time, but it might be able to work. Yeah. So keep us in mind. So yeah, and if anything, we'll uh, 
we'll all have a drink at, at a minimum at minimum so absolutely yeah we'll definitely have to do that all right cool so uh all right thanks awesome that that's pretty cool uh, again it's good to see you know uh there's definitely a renaissance in uh gaming i see you know because we get because i think of the uh this age of technology and this uh, this access everything is making it uh a possible for small game companies like yourselves to kind of get in there and start producing you know good ideas you know so that's uh there's that's so many tools at our disposal and i would say honestly video games are kind of dri driving it a bit as well because uh more and more of the games you can't play on couch co-op anymore so like i used to play a huge amount of video games i play less now because i want to do stuff with friends so we play around the tabletop more because it's it's easier than it used to be I and mean, there's not as much co-op games on video games anymore Really, um, I haven't kept up with. I have not kept up with co-op games, almost at all, because co-op games, with a very few exceptions, were basically you know just sort of in, uh, uh, fuck your neighbor games, where you know you <laughs> you show yeah. up, you somebody's spawn squatting you, you die, you respawn, you die again. Um, that was always my experience with them, except for the few a few games like. The Left 4 Dead ones were nice and cooperative. Uh, oh, man, I loved the Left 4 Dead games whenever they came out. They were so good. Yeah. Well, actually, but, actually, actually, I've been playing it because now that they're both backwards compatible for the Xbox One, I have been playing them a little bit more, and that's actually something we plan on doing is uh, there's going to be a point where I'm going to put an announcement to the uh, the audience. It's like we have we have space for two people to say they want to play, we're going to play to play Left 4 Dead with us, and we'll play Left 4 Dead, and I'll record it on Twitch. So we'll, like, then we'll post we it on also, We should also let some of the, um, uh, see if it's possible to let people do one of the competitive games where they play the zombies. So yeah. our, our fans can murder us with hordes of zombies. <laughs> yeah, I didn't oh, yeah. realize those were backwards compatible. Thank you for that tip. I'm going to have to try those out again. It is, it is a, like, the first one that came was, was two, and then one became... And I haven't played in a while. There was like, I, I, like recently, the little bit of gaming I've been doing, I've been playing Left 4 Dead again because I'm like, I, it's like, I love that. I love those games. They're so much fun. Yeah, that's really. But, spe but, but speaking of games, speaking of us, games, give us an overview of your game, Austin. Let's uh, tell the audience what it is, what it's all about. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it is a pre-apocalyptic game. So we're getting in right before the topic of all your uh, post-apocalyptic goodness you guys talk about. So the theme of the game is that an asteroid is going to hit the Earth, and it's going to wipe out civilization as we know it. And all the players, like you and I, have secured a spot in an underground bunker that will keep us safe. We'll be fine. We'll survive the impact. However, there have been six refugees who have showed up late, and they all went into our bunker, of course. And we want to let them in. The problem is we only have enough space for four of them. So we're going to have to choose which unlucky two people are going to be exiled from the bunker. But it's a bit worse than that because we learned among the members of these refugees are members of a doomsday cult who are trying to sabotage the bunker to fulfill their prophecy. So, so you're having to be really careful and question everybody and figure out who the doomsday and who the cult members might be and kick them out. But Again, one of the players could also be a fanatic who's just crazy and who wants to get one of the cultists into the bunker. So there's a lot of uh, classic deduction going on, and there's also social deduction, trying to figure out if the people who are playing the game with you are on your team or not, and then which of the non-playable refugees are cultists or not. So it's kind of uh, two layers of uh, deduction going on. Well, i got to tell you, uh, as 
uh, as Lovecraft fans, my first thought is all you have to do is scratch out Asteroid and put in Cthulhu, and yeah. you've got a whole new game. And it's got it Cthulhu. Is. Honestly, there's a lot of different approaches that can be taken with it. Just because you mentioned that, like, uh, we ended up as a, a, a little uh, surprise halfway through the campaign, we came out with an alternate art pack where it's zombie themed. So instead of with cultists and the asteroid and everything, it's a zombie apocalypse. And I, I don't think this will turn out well. Maybe it will. But we had a ah. zombified art done for all the characters. So, oh, yeah. no, that's working. Yeah. <laughs> but we're really happy with it and just how they look normally. Our artists did a great job, but having their zombified versions are really good, just all geared up for the apocalypse with their weapons and everything. But Nice. Yeah, and, and ideally in the future, we might be able to do more stuff like that as goodies for like conventions or whatnot. But for right now, we just have the, the base game with the Asteroid and Cultists and then the expansion, well, not expansion, the art pack with uh, zombie theme. Very cool. Very and, cool. I, and, I, and I have backed it for the base game plus the uh, zombie expansion. So. Oh, thank you very much. Every little bit. Cause that, cause that, that's how I wound up connecting with Austin's. Like I backed the project and he sent me a, you know, a thank you note uh, for backing. And he's like, Oh, I checked out your, you know, the things you've backed and your name and I bet you would fit right in. And I, I was like, yes, it will. And I said, <laughs> how would you like to be on a podcast about the apocalypse? So, and that's how it all, that's how it all started. So, it was perfect. <laughs> so, um, about the uh, mechanics of this game, um, what was the, uh, what's the, what are the general mechanics of this game? How does it work? Um, that is to say, particularly, um, how do you deduce uh, the the MP the non-playing characters? How do you interrogate the non-playing characters? How do you keep secret um, attributes from the players uh, during that deduction? And uh, how do you assign secret uh, motivations to the players during the yeah. game? So one of the things with this game is it's possible that there won't be a fanatic among the players trying to sabotage the game. Uh, you essentially take civilian players' uh, cards equal to the number of players, and then you add one fanatic for anything that's four or less players. So, and then you shuffle those up and deal them out, and one card is left over. So it could be the fanatic card that's trying to make the game lose, essentially, or it could be one of the civilian cards that's trying to keep the uh, cultists out of the bunker. So there's a chance that everybody is working together, but it's it's in the favor of uh, somebody being a saboteur within the ranks. Um, and the game is, just to mention, it, the game plays two to six players in 15 to 20 minutes. So it's a pretty quick little game. It's nice to fit in at the beginning of the evening or um, between games or anything like that. And I, but, and I, and I, and I love games like that. Like... Um... Uh, because you know, I like I like I like quick games. You know, because a lot of times um, I don't feel like sitting down to a long slog of an all night thing with one game. Like I have like a lot of like quick little you know fifteen forty five minute games, and that way you could get like you know two three maybe even four different games in in an evening just to kind of uh, mix it up. You know. Yeah. Plus, you're always waiting for that one guy who's late. <laughs> Yeah. Game, so. And Scott, you would like this one then if you like those quick games as well. Um, it's called Don't Mess with Cthulhu. It's a really fun little fast-paced uh, deduction game as well. Okay. I just played that recently. It's a lot of fun. 
Well, I as much as I'm a fan of, of Cthulhu, it's it's definitely going to be the bacon of nerddom. Where if you put it, it is, Cthulhu, absolutely. Oh, get, can, getting? I think it already uh, it already it already first, was. First, zombies were sort of the bacon, but boy, uh, Cthulhu has been catching up pretty good on that. Yeah, it has been. But I guess going back to the gameplay, um, so the bulk of uh, the game is done through just twelve turns, and on a turn, a player will question a uh, refugee. So what that means, the refugees are the non-playable characters. And then at the beginning of the game, all of them have two trait cards assigned. And those trait cards will determine if they're a cultist or not. They're just two uh, cultist trait cards that are put out at the beginning of the game. So then you're looking at these two trait cards. And depending on who you question, the NPCs all have a different effect. So you might question the hermit. And his thing is you can only look at one card and you don't actually even get to look at it. Somebody else has to look at it because he doesn't like talking to people. Or you could look at the, um, the sorry, you could look at the con man and what he does is you switch his card with somebody else and then you look at the new card. So he's essentially stealing people's identities. And they all try to have like a thematic different effect that takes place depending on what their personality is. Okay. So then, however many cards you see underneath one of the uh, refugees, it could be one or it could be two. After you're done, you can only say whether they are or are not a cultist. So even if you see a trait that says that they're rich or if they're a doomsayer or something like that, you can't say anything. You can only say they're not a cultist. Because some of the cards have effects besides the cultist cards that have some kind of impact on the game. Okay, so use a player inquire after an NPC, but another player has to give the NPC's answer. And the question is, do you trust that other player to give you accurate information? Exactly. So, like, let's say, I realize some of the cards might be handy. So let's say you decide to question the undergrad. So all of the characters have two cards. And with hers, you get to look at two cards. So you could see, you know, a pacifist card, which doesn't mean anything. It doesn't help. It just You basically know that she's not bad. But then her other card could be a cultist. And that would mean that she is a cultist then. And then it's up to you. You can lie. If you were the fanatic, you could say, she's, she's uh, not a cultist. She's fine. And then other people would have to question her later because after somebody becomes questioned, they get exhausted. And they can't be questioned again for until the next turn. Okay. So there's a lot of trying to figure out what the cards are placed at. But then... Every player does have a special ability as well, and then some of the uh, non-playable characters have effects, effects that move the cards around the table. I feel like I'm a bit all over the place. I've never described the game without like having a <laughs> it set up yeah, in front of me. Oh. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, no, we 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 didn't expect to get uh, you know uh, top the tails uh, definition of it, but we just wanted to give people a good idea of uh, yeah uh, what the game is and kind of how it works, and you know, uh, so that's that's cool. Um, just as a side note, because uh, the next thing we we're going to ask him about was, um, unless you got more about the mechanics. Oh, no, that's just, you question somebody, you say whether they are or not a cultist, and then you have to vote to exile them. And even at the beginning of the game, you might not know too much, but, you know, times are, it's getting to, close to the end of days, so you have to make a decision quick. And then, and then it's the next person's turn. So turns go pretty fast. They're only about a minute each, if that. Is there a possibility after having... You're, so you're going through these refugees one at a time, uh, mm -hmm. deciding where they stay or go. And if you get to a point where <clears throat> you interview all six, uh, like there's six, and you got to get in four. If you get four in, does it end there, or do you go through all six and then maybe you go, wait a minute, I don't believe that one. 
I, something has happened that has tipped me off that maybe Joe yeah. was lying. I want to boot the undergraduate and put the hermit in. Yeah, so um, the refugees get removed after round six. Whoever has the most exile markers is removed. And then after round 12 at the end of the game, the second one with the most uh, has, is removed automatically. Okay, okay. Yeah, and whoever they're removed, you don't get to see whether they were a cultist or not. It remains a mystery, so it, it's even more tense. You could have just sentenced somebody innocent to death, and you you have no idea. Oh, you guys are douchebags. That's, that's, all right, that's marvelously uncomfortable. All right, that's how I like my apocalypses. Now, what is the uh, – uh, I, I don't think I missed it, but what is the uh, – what's the victory condition? Is it, is it, is it a cooperative win, or is, can it be individ, is there individual wins? It depends on what team you're on. So if you're a civilian and your goal is to get both of the cultists out of the bunker, then you win as long as there are no cultists in the bunker. And then if you're a fanatic, you win as, as long as one cultist has made it into the bunker. So it is a little bit tough, but some of the card effects that happen make it a lot easier. And if you're all good, it can be easier. But sometimes it can be tough, and that's when you want to deal it and again. Let me just point out, you just created a game that is both either a competitive version or a cooperative version, and you're not going to let the players know which version they're playing until yes. the conditions are revealed. Yeah, it's uh, it's that's part of the deduction is just trying to figure out who's on your team along with who the refugees are. There's a lot of uh, moving parts. No, I like that. That's that's uh, that is a that is extra good tension. That is extra good tension in the game that you do not know whether you're playing a cooperative game or a competitive game. That's all, interesting. And again, all all of that wrapped up into a game that could take what like 15 minutes, 15 20 minutes. You know? Yeah. That's that's yeah. That's, it that's runs really. I'm really happy with how well it's run, and a lot of people have been really excited. We were just at a convention not this past week, and but the one before, and we did a lot of demos, and a lot of them weren't necessarily the gamer types either, and they were really excited by it and uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to put this out there: is I want a variant or a theme pack for this game for the thing. <laughs> you, you um. So our artist. His name, uh, last name is Wallace as well, actually. Uh, he loves the thing. And I just saw it this year, just a couple months ago. And I love it as well. And we almost did a theme pack for it. But right before we, uh, we put it up, we decided on the zombie one because a different The Thing-inspired uh, social deduction game just funded on Kickstarter. What? Ooh. What? Yeah. It looked like a lot of fun, too. It's an app-based game. So uh, I, don't know I, I, I missed that one. Oh wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait! Hold on! Wait, wait, wait! We need, wait. We need to stop here for a second. You just saw the thing a few months ago. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh, all right. Show's over, folks. This guy's got to go. Okay. Um, I know. He's seen it. He's seen it. He's allowed in the bunker. All oh right. My God. He has. I, seen no, it, it was phenomenal, though. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I can't believe I hadn't seen it sooner. All right. I, really I, uh, well, I mean, you are you are a young lad, so I, I guess we got it. I gotta ask the question: How did it hold up as a film from 1981? How did it hold up? Extremely, with the level of practical effects they used, it held up so well. Like everybody, there were still several people in the room. We it was part of a viewing party that we do every week, and there were a lot of people who were like disturbed by the effects. And it, <laughs> it, it, even even still, it holds up very well. Because I saw I saw that film. In the theaters when I was 12 years old, when that came out, oh my God. Okay. I, I saw that 12. Let me tell you, 
I didn't sleep so soundly that night. Okay, I saw that. I saw that when I was twelve. All right, and I have loved. I have loved that movie ever since. I watched that movie at least once or twice a year, every year. Seriously, I watch it. I at least once a year. I always go back to that film because that is like in my top five favorite films. That's probably number one. Yeah, it is. It's really good. All right, cool. Didn't know that there was an app-based thing game, but all right, that's... Oh, my God. I, I, I got to look at yeah, it up. Okay. I backed it on Kickstarter. I can't wait to give it a try. Oh, all my right. God. I can't, well, I can't believe it. So what... Uh, games. Yeah, what... Uh, so um, going to the next question of what inspired the creation of the game, I'll tell you one thing I, uh, I think what I thought of was um, there's an old Twilight Zone episode uh, about there's like a scare about... Uh, a nuclear war because again you know that you know then that show took place there's going to be a nuclear war and there's just one guy in the neighborhood who has a bunker and all his neighbors are all you know everybody used to was all nice until you know there was going to be a bomb and everybody wants to try to get in and uh they you know basically break down his door that that kind of came to mind when i thought about you know the inspiration of the of the whole bunker thing but but what was your uh inspiration to, for the creation of the game Absolutely. Um, I was talking about this a little bit earlier, actually, while uh, before we got started. And whenever I was at uh, summer camp, it was like it was a bit of a different summer camp, like a leadership type thing. We had an activity we did where it, almost the same exact situation, except it's bombs drop it, dropping and people are trying to get into a bunker. And all the people like, uh, participating get a little identity. And it says like who they are. It says what their profession is, some traits. But then it also has like bad things about them that they're, they're hiding from people that they don't want people to know. And then you're making your case and like based off your card, you're trying to say things like why you should be let in. Like, you know, one person might be a priest who's, you know, who's helped a lot of people and, or somebody might be a doctor or whatever. And then you have to vote on certain people to get in. And then at the end, you figure out out of all the people you decided to let in all the terrible traits that they may have, even though they look good on paper based on their, you know, they're good things. Other things might be like, you know, he was a severe alcoholic who, you know, was physically abusive or something. Or it could be that, you know, they were had a terminal illness and they only had a couple months to live or something like that. So that was a huge inspiration, just like the whole thing with the traits and trying to figure out you don't know exactly who's good or who's bad or what kind of baggage they have along with them. I was saying that I remember that exercise um, from the maybe the – Maybe I ran into it in the 70s and 80s. I don't remember it as a role-playing exercise where everyone took on the character uh, that was on the card, but I do remember it was having all these cards, and they were they they would lay out their positive and negative attributes and decide, decide which ones are going to go in the bunker and which ones don't. Um, uh, yes, it's a doctor who's an alcoholic, or it's uh, or or maybe it was the doctor was terminally ill. Can the doctor pass along enough information before they go? to be useful. And I remember that exercise. And if anybody out there listening on the interwebs can, can name what this exercise was, because I remember, and I thought it was just something the teacher made up on the spot, but the fact that it was wandering around as a leadership exercise tells me that this thing, you know, came in a ring binder, you know, (laughs) with cards and things and was actually something that was, uh, you know, produced and disseminated. If anyone out there can figure, can can remember where this came from, or if it was, you know, produced by the Rand Corporation or something equally creepy and Cold War like, I'd love to know. I that that's that's really awesome. But I remember that exercise. Yeah, 
So that was a huge inspiration. As far as gameplay goes, to, uh, to a smaller extent, a, a little bit, a game called Lifeboat, which was a card-based game, game as well, but it had player elimination, like fighting, and that was things that made the game drag a little bit for us, so I wanted to do a game that didn't eliminate players from the game, and it, took, it went a lot faster and had a little bit more depth of, de depth of decisions to make, so that was a, a bit of the inspiration for gameplay-wise. Excellent. All right. And, uh, so, all right. Well, I guess that kind of rolls into uh, maybe. Uh, where well, did, was there any uh, fictional inspirations at all for this? But I think we kind of covered that with that and with the maybe the leader. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Um, I mean, there's always going to be little things like I, I just even remember watching the Simpsons episode where uh, they they're in the bunker and crowded around and having to make decisions and. I know our artist, Justin, has been influenced a lot by some of the older 80 movies, specifically for the zombie pack, for his art, and uh, things like that. But those, those are the two biggest ones I mentioned earlier. Okay. Uh, so what uh, make you choose to go with, a, with, an, with an apocalyptic theme rather than something like an island or a castaway situation or a, you know, a micro-apocalypse, like a simple survival situation like the boat sinking or... Uh, we're running out of food on the island or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could have worked with a couple different things, but it was just so ingrained with that initial uh, like exercise that I'd played that it just seemed to make the most sense as far as the gameplay. And I think it's just kind of a compelling theme as well that you don't see too often, especially specifically pre-apocalyptic, that the world's about to end, so people are ha having to make these hard decisions. So that that really spoke to me. Also, I just... I do love quite a bit of uh, apocalyptic thing, things. Uh, Jared and I were talking about Fallout earlier. And Fallout is one of my yeah, <laughs> favorite series. I have the, the Pip-Boy over here in the corner and the, the bobblehead and some part from the game. I, 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 have, been, I have been spared uh, Fallout 4 for several months now. And a friend of mine bought me a fucking Xbox One and Fallout and the damn season pass. And I'm eternally grateful they did this because there was terrible things happening in my life. And they're like, here, have a thing that's not terrible. It's the apocalypse. And <laughs> I swear to God, I'm going to get to it, but I still have so many deadlines that are up in front of me. I've had to just bite my tongue and, and hold off until I can get into Fallout 4. But when I do, goodbye. You're not going to see me for about a month. Oh, I, uh, well, I told Austin, I said, yeah, I said, I only got 400 hours into the game. And he's like, <laughs> And he's like, that's a lot. And I'm like, I need to scratch the surface. <laughs> yeah. Everything I hear about four is that it's just, it's, it's oh, wide yeah. and deep. Speaking yeah. of, I'm going to move my camera here. Speaking of Fallout, uh, I'm going to hit regret this, but. Oh, nice. Oh! You can see my, uh, uh, my Pip-Boy up there. Yeah. And then my uh, Mini Nuke up over there. Among, well, and among other cool things and like. And your uh, portal gun. Portal gun. You see my Mad Max uh, middle posters. Yep. There's my Judge Wallace badge on the shelf there. <laughs> oh, nice. And then uh, up over there is my uh, puzzle box. If you can see that up in there. Yes. Mm -hmm. From Hellraiser. My wife got me that for last Christmas. It is actually solid mahogany with brass etching and stuff. So it's <laughs> it, 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 it is nice, 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 nice. I I definitely married well. You know. Nice work, <laughs> Nice work. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Portal, that could be post-apocalyptic for all we know. Well, well totally. Um, it, that, that could be... Ha 
that that world that complex could totally be in Gamma World because isn't it, if I remember correctly in the end of the first Portal game is it the first one or the second one where you actually get outside and everything's kind of in yes rest? yeah it's the second one you don't or it might be the first one as well actually I still remember the first one you get outside and the the outside of Aperture Technology looks wrecked yeah it does you're right you're right so it's very ambiguous at the very least. It very well could be a post-apocalyptic, like you exist in a post-apocalyptic world. Like a lot of people say that uh, the paranoia role-playing game very easily could be taking place in a poke, like Gamma World or something, you know? Yeah, just one corner of it. Uh, it reminds me of, um, you know, the old Harlan Ellison, I have no mouth and, yeah, and I'm a scream thing where the computer is torturing the last of humanity for no damn good reason except apparently it's not a fan of humans. Well, I, now I was just showing uh, you the stuff up there just to, you know, not that our audience needs to know, but just to show some of the, uh, you know, some of our nerd cred, you know, all the... We, we have of, to constantly... Constantly show people, like, like we're, we're legit. We didn't just jump on the bandwagon because we were being marketed to, you know? <laughs> so, uh, and actually, I even have... Uh, uh, I don't want to move the camera again, but I went to the... Uh, there was a Titan... Uh, there's a Titan II missile museum in um, Arizona, uh, so it's actually like a decommissioned Titan II missile silo where they uh, they keep it as a museum and stuff. So my wife picked me up when I wasn't looking. Um, they have a uh, replica keys of the actual keys, you know, that you oh, turn. Nice. So I got that. Uh, I <laughs> you didn't tell me that. You didn't tell me you had the fucking brass keys. So you can have Mike Mike Madsen pointing his pistol at you, going, "Turn your keys, sir." Yeah, so I got, I got the go code. So I got it sitting right up there. So uh, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite so, uh, was whenever I visited my grandma's house, uh, my grandpa was a military policeman on an air force base, and I guess one day while she was visiting, they went out and there was a missile launch test. Oh my god! And they went out afterwards, and she has a paperweight that's an actual picture of uh, not picture, an actual piece of an exploded missile, and it has like the curved edge and the curved inner edge. It's extremely heavy. Wow. Yeah, it's that, real cool. That is really that's cool. That's yeah. a little piece, little piece of history there, a little piece of Cold War right there. You know, yeah, for sure. That's really cool. Uh, so, all right, so we left off with uh, the apocalyptic theme, which again, I guess we pretty obvious why uh, at this point. <laughs> you know, um, and it, this this question may or may not apply because we again we tend to have some general questions for people. Uh, did you see anything missing from other post-apocalyptic games that you think this game maybe provides? Or... Yeah, I think a lot of post-apocalyptic games kind of focus more on combat or just like surviving and things mm -hmm. like that. And I guess it makes a bit more sense since we're pre-apocalyptic that the focus is really on trust and who you're going to like choose to trust and uh, like just you know what might be going on and who is trying to actually cause the downfall of the people. That's to an extent in some of the other games. I guess you could consider Battlestar Galactica post-apocalyptic because uh, their game does have a lot of that deception and trust, but there is still quite a bit of combat in there. And Dead of Winter is another good example, but again, there's a lot of combat there as well. So our game, just really the crux of it, is all about the relationships between the people and who you can trust and, and just actually making the decision of who is going to be kicked out and who's going to have to face the apocalypse. So I think that's something that isn't available in a lot of games. And, and I think you're right. Uh, now that now that you talked about it, I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, most post-apocalyptic games 
they got the theme, but it's really about combat. This is not about combat. Like you said, it's not decision. It's it's decision yeah. making, which is very different. It's very cool to have something different like that because that's something. Uh, me and Scott, I know we've talked about this in the show in the past about making those tough decisions. About you know, we've talked about things like you know, people and skill sets and rebuilding. And it's like, who do you keep? Who do you don't keep? It's like, it's like, yeah, you were a doctor before. Well, guess what? You're going to be chained to this room for the rest of your life because we don't want you going anywhere because you need to be, you know, the baddest yeah. decisions you have to make for good or for bad, you know? And like, who do you let in? Who do you kill? You know, it's like, do you become just as bad as the people you're trying to keep out? Because like, listen, we can't have, you know, people, people like you here, uh, because you're just going to bring us down, you know, so you, it's about making the tough decisions and are you making the right decisions? So that's, that's, you're right. That's totally what your game is about is making those tough decisions. Yeah. Um, that, that's really cool. It's, it's refreshing and different, you know, so I think I'm really, we're really going to enjoy that when it comes out. I hope so. Yeah. All right, cool. And then, um, so uh, cool. God, I, I didn't really think about that. That's, 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 that's no, that, no, that's excellent. No, it's cool. So I'm glad I was. I'm glad I was drawn to it. So it's. Uh, yeah, me it's, too. I'm. I'm kind of drawn to that kind of stuff as well. Just a lot of the thought exercises and actually like thinking through how things would work in the situation. What realistically, not just stylized, how, what people would have to be doing the hard decisions. That's what I like about the uh, like the Walking Dead Telltale series as well of games on like Xbox One. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember those. Yeah, because that's the same thing there. There's not really much combat there. It's all about the relationships between the characters and the tough decisions that need to be made and just acknowledging that sometimes there's just no better way out of a situation. Yeah, sometimes there's, sometimes there's no good decision. You know, yeah. you have to make a decision. Oh, yeah, those games are great because the action, like, there's, like, things where it's, like, actions. As I played, well, on the 360, I played the first one, the second one, the the the, the, the there was, like, 400 days. There's the mini ones in between. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and even decisions you made in that one affect things down the road in the third, in the second one. You know, so it's kind of how they keep that going all the way through, which is really cool. They do a good job. So, so uh, let me ask. Uh, let me let me throw in a question. I was curious. Um, this project um, <clears throat> from from inspiration to uh, Kickstarter. Uh, how long did it take this uh, to get this thing ready to go? So it's been a bit over two years at this point. Um, it actually started off as a game that was going to be entered into a design competition at a local game convention called Geekway to the West, uh, which is here in St. Louis. Um, and they, the, the challenge was to make a, car, a game that could only use 24 cards. So it started off as that, and that's one of the big reasons that the focus is on non-playable characters rather than uh, the players, so that there would be less cards in play. Um, so we, we focused a lot, and the game changed drastically from the, the very beginning to where it is now. Um, it started off almost like a werewolf-type game, if people have played, if you guys have played that, like Werewolf or Mafia. And it just wasn't working, and I didn't feel like it was anything that was unique from existing games. And it just continued to be iterated over the months until the contest. And then I kind of had to take a break from it for a little bit, because we did our game last year, Private Die, the, die one, uh, the Dice One. And then after that was done, I was able to go back into it again, full throttle. So it's been, I guess, roughly about two years since it's been in development. But it's existed in vastly different forms a couple, a little while before that. But it sounds it's like, really been, yeah. Sounds like the biggest challenge was overcoming the werewolf problem. It was, honestly. And I love deduction games. And oddly enough, I really don't like werewolf. 
Um, I like so many of the other ones, like Secret Hitler that just came out, or The Resistance, or Coup, or anything like that. Um, but there was just something I didn't like about Werewolf, and I think a big part was the player elimination, and that's why I really didn't want to have any of that in our game. And the other thing was needing a moderator, somebody who wasn't actually playing the game. They're just trying to keep it moving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really wanted everyone to be involved and there to be no player elimination and just something to go quick too. So it was just a lot of trying to make sure it was a game that was unique while still capturing a lot of the, the essence of those games, I suppose. Yeah, I did a little uh, a little game uh, called, uh, it inspired off at Were- Werewolf because it, uh, it, it made sense to me, was to do uh, called Are, Are You a Mutant? Yeah. Basically, it's just a post-apocalyptic themed um, uh, werewolf game where you're you're in a bunker and you have humans and mutants and the mutants have infiltrated and you got to try to... It, it's a, it's just a crib on a werewolf. It was just something fun that's available. Um, I have them on... A, are you familiar with drive-through cards, I assume? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. drive-through cards is great. Yeah, so I've done a couple of, uh, you know... I got my Russian roulette game. I've done a couple of small little games just through drive-through cards because it's like I had a, an added, I had an idea and I put them up there and yeah, I've sold a couple here and there, but nothing crazy. But it's just something I wanted to do as a creative outlet, you know. So yeah, no, I think drive-through cards is a great resource for us to use, especially like domestically. I think they print out of Kansas City, real close to us. Mm-hmm. Their card quality, especially for the premium stock, is really good quality. Oh yeah, so, are, are, are you using them for your fulfillment? Uh, for we your are product? actually. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, the quality of the cards are yeah, it's ex- it's excellent. Like um I've told people before who are trying to do games and cards like listen, just do drive you know, if you can, you know, if you if you don't have the money to to start something up, just use drive through cards because the quality is just as good as any mass produced out of China poker dot card. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. And they pass the bin test just well where you like pen, bend them over, they they snap right back and no, we've been extremely happy with their quality because I, I might have mentioned before, it's on the Kickstarter page, we actually hand-assemble all of our games. So, oh, dear it's, Lord. Yeah, it's a labor of love right now. This one won't be as hard for us to put together, but um, yeah, because drive through cards, they print out of Kansas City and our boxes are out of Kansas City as well. And so we get everything shipped to my house, thankfully. Uh, is that what movie night is for? Is movie night yeah. where you just assemble the... <laughs> Well, and we've uh, we've used their labor a little bit in the past, uh, but my wife loves the space it takes up in the basement for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have some parties where we get together and assemble the games, but it's I think it works out really, especially for whenever we're getting started, because we oversee every single aspect of the game being assembled, from the cards being packed into the boxes, to, you know, like them being chipped off. So if something goes wrong, they don't have to worry about contacting somebody else or the shipping company. They just contact us and we hand it pack every single game. So we're familiar if we might've messed something up or anything like that. You mean, you mean you're not going to have a produced in China and then go to uh ship naked and have it shipped through D- D- uh, DHL and have it take uh, weeks and weeks to get because DHL sucks. We aren't dealing with that. <laughs> we just have freight shipments, just a single, like big boxes come to our house. So it's just like a, a four-day turnaround to get something mailed to us. Well, here's the most important question we can ask you. Where can the apocalypse buying public go to get a copy of The End Is Nigh? So if they're viewing this within the, fir- the within three days of right now when we're filming this, they can go to kickstarter.com and just uh, look up The End Is Nigh. We'll show up. That is nigh, as in like near, not night. 
Um, and then if they view it anytime after those three days, they can go to our website, mysticape.com. Uh, just look us up, Mystic Ape. They're, we're the only Mystic Apes in the game business that I'm familiar with. And uh, you'll be able to find it there as well. And uh, we do online ordering, purchasing, things like that. We uh, Sam, one of the apes, is really good. And his day job is doing this kind of stuff. So our site is secure for payments and everything. Cool. So, yeah, I, I had already I had posted the uh, link to the Kickstarter on the event uh, Facebook uh, event page as well as uh, the Mystic Ape uh, website. And uh, actually, I think uh, last week I posted actually on, on the blog the uh, actual Kickstarter itself for the end is nigh. So people, yeah. people, people, hopefully have seen that already. So uh, and then once uh, you know, we'll, we'll post, we'll do a little repost, uh, get some more, try to get a little more uh, last minute attention for you. You know, so uh, I hope yeah. this. I just hope this does. You know, you've already funded and you've already well exceeded your uh, goals, which is oh, very, yeah. very we good. Have, we'll see. Our last stretch goal is at thirty thousand dollars. We're only about six hundred dollars away from that right now, I believe. So we're getting very close. Hopefully, we'll push you over. This will. This will be what it takes to put you. Yeah. Over the top. Hopefully so. Reaching our twenty Actually, or forty listeners. Actually, uh, well, no, we got four hundred twenty-six followers on YouTube. Yeah, I know that. I know, I know we're not YouTube celebrity status of having to use, but hey, for a couple of guys who just do this uh, in their spare time, I think that's pretty darn good. You know, I think there's about 420 more followers than we have on YouTube. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, actually, you are 303. You are 303 dollars away from the 30,000 dollar goal right now. I just oh, nice. <laughs> we're getting there. So, yep, yeah, you spend an hour with us. It's 300 bucks, just like that. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, because uh, yeah, come on, people, back the project, you know, because uh, I'm a backer too, and I want to get that last. Uh, what's the last goal? We actually haven't revealed what it is, is yet, but just for you guys as viewers, I guess I can spill the beans a little bit. Um, the character is going to be a nun, <laughs> so and uh, is it going to so be nice? Is it going to be one of those Italian exploitation nuns who has a garter belt and a motorcycle, or is it just going to be sort of like? Uh, you know, flying nun. For the zombie pack, it might be a biker nun. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited about her ability. Hers is whenever she's questioned, you can't vote to exile her because you don't want to be that, you know, person who's going to vote to kick a nun out of the bunker. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. And, uh, since, and since I just mentioned we were $303 away, we just, uh, we just uh, got another uh, $39 on Kickstarter since I mentioned that. So, uh, oh, yeah. It looks like we did. Right, so folks, hey, folks, keep on back in the project. It's uh, like I said, and you heard it first as a non-zero exclusive. You heard what $30,000 stretch goal for the end of the night is going to be. It's going um, to be the none. So, uh for the four people who are right now live, and if somebody goes to the channel later before the day it's over, they'll uh, they would have heard you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, you have the inside scoop. That's inside. right, boys. Get none. <laughs> get none. Got to get your got to get your none. So, all right, excellent. All right, awesome, awesome. Um, thank you for sharing all the information about your game. Uh, thank you for spending your time with us. This was a uh, very good, very informative. Uh, again, it sounds like it sounds like a very fun game. Again, we're talking about it. Just I realize more and more, you know, some of the things, cool things about the game. You know, post a uh, pre-apocalyptic, not combat game. You know, a lot of deduction, quick game, a lot of a lot of really cool aspects of, of this game. Uh, so that's uh, that's excellent. 
Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on, and I'm I'm excited that we're doing so well, and that you're part of the project, and I can't wait to uh, send it to you. I hope you enjoy it as much as uh, it sounds like you will. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, of course. You know, I didn't. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a bit of a cheapskate, so I didn't go for I didn't go for the uh, the mat the mat uh, ver version of the, with the game mat because like oh. I said, you know, I'm I'm buying a I'm buying a house, so I got yeah. I got to cut corners. I got to go. Don't you worry. <laughs> I gotta cut corners a little bit, you know. So no, I, uh, I just had to put a new roof on my house, so I understand completely. Oof, dear yeah. God! Yeah, you know, I'm I'm lucky about that. The house is uh, only about ten years old, and it's got a thirty year roof, so I'm uh, I'm good. I'm good for a little while at least. So, yeah. our house it's an oldie here in St. Louis. It's I think it's coming up to its hundred year anniversary. So, oh, nice. Well, but you know yeah. that's got, that's got that's got some character to it, you know. So that's, yeah, that's uh, a something to be said. So. All right, folks. So uh, that was again. Uh, the end is nigh. Okay, you can find it. It is currently live and running on Kickstarter, and you can just go to Kickstarter.com and you can find the game listed there. Just go to look for the end is nigh, or you can look for Mystic. I believe maybe Mystic Eight Games. Um, mm -hmm. If you if you need to see where it is, you can find me on Kickstarter. Just look for. Uh, of course, I go by the uh, name of uh, Apocalypse Nerd on there. What a surprise! And uh, you, you can see it on my list of uh, back games. So, and then after, and then after the Kickstarter, if you do miss the Kickstarter, folks, it, it, it's not like that's the only time you could get it. Uh, they will have it available on their website, mysticapegames.com. So uh, you'll be able to get get your hands, uh, your little dirty pre-apocalyptic pause on that. And uh, hopefully, they'll be at uh, Gen Con uh, 2017. Because again, you as you guys have listened to us for years, you know me and Scott are always there. So. Um, will hopefully be there. I've years into backing us. They'll have to let us know in a message so I can know. Maybe we'll be able to work out something special. Excellent. That's right, kids. Get your damn stinking paws on some games from those damn mystic apes. There you go. <laughs> so, again, folks, again, this was The End is Nigh. Uh, you know, we had Austin on from Mystic Ape Games. And, again, uh, we're going to shoot for doing uh, two weeks in a row. We're going to do a show next week. We're going to talk about Turbo Kid. Uh, available on Netflix, you know, again, that 80s throwback uh, film, uh, which, uh, would, which would, uh, I've watched, which looked pretty good. So so that's all we have for this week, folks. And uh, again, Austin and Scott and myself, we all thank you for uh, joining us this week in the Wasteland. And again, Austin, Scott, and I thank you very much for uh, joining us this week and sharing your, uh, your game with us. No, thank you very much. Glad to have you here in the bunker with me. <laughs> excellent so that is it folks again uh we're gonna do it again do a show next week so we are going to be signing off so again thank you good night and we will see you all in the wasteland <laughs>